Hello, welcome back to another episode of this podcast. It is Elvis Reviews. Uh, I'm Billy. This is Daniel. Hi there. Hello. And today we're going to talk about Elvis's 19th studio album, technically called Raised on Rock slash For Old Time's Sake. Raised on Rock. Yeah, named after the single. Yeah, we were just talking about that. It's, it's a weird title because both those tracks were singles. They're right. both the first song on each side of the album. Right. And it's like it was two mini, like two EPs, and they just put it on both sides of the vinyl and just called it the first song on each side. It's a bit strange. Just call yeah. it Raised on Rock. It's an album. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I have no idea why they did that. It's the only Elvis album they've ever done that with. Yeah, you don't title an album two songs, but that's yeah. what they did. How many times we talked about decisions that these record companies have made and <laughs> how they're not always the best decisions. Right. <laughs> well, uh, this one, the single Raised on Rock for all time's sake, only ch- it made it to top 50. It was like 41 in, in the rock singles and 42 in the country singles. So yeah, not a really successful single to name an album after. And I think this is not the most loved, well, by far, not the most loved Elvis album. It's it's pretty low down on the list, I think, for a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, probably Elvis included. <laughs> he, he did not want to be in the studio for this. Now, this was released October 1973. It's 10 tracks, just under 28 minutes. That is a short album. Very, very short album. And from what I read, this album was sort of the turning point and the studio album sort of sort of went off more in the country style after this, even though there's a few semi, you could call country songs on this album. Mm-hmm. Well, um, we, just from what the last ones that we've talked about, they seem to go a, a fair bit more country after this. Yeah, well, the next album is Good Times, which we did cover. Uh, had that great Jerry Reed song, Talk About the Good Times on it. I feel like at this point, Elvis just was focused on the concerts and just yeah, kind of like the opposite of what the Beatles did. The Beatles quit performing live and focused on studio albums. Elvis was focused on live performing at this point. Well, this is such an odd album. Uh, <laughs> I was going to wait until we got to it, but this is what took place between track one and track two on this album. Elvis goes to Las Vegas, opens a show to his worst reviews he's ever gotten. Then after a show, he accidentally bla- breaks a woman's ankle doing a karate thing in his suite and she sues yeah she sues <laughs> she sues him then, i haven't heard that story wow okay <laughs> yeah i mean i was paid for you know physical therapy paid for all the doctors and so on but she still sued him for uh, like an additional five thousand. Oh man so then at the closing show in las vegas he goes off on a tirade against the hotel he's in the hilton so he goes off on this whole thing about how the hilton sucks basically and so after, <laughs> after the show colonel parker is extremely angry they have a loud fight in front of people and elvis fires colonel parker then oh if only that lasted exactly (laughs) and then a couple days later his bodyguards get into a fight with some people and they get sued and that makes the newspapers then elvis breaks his finger doing karate and last lisa marie comes to visit because elvis is only separated from priscilla at this point they're not even divorced yet so all of that takes Uh place between track one and track two of this album (laughs) So Holy moly. It's not a good time in his life. It <laughs> doesn't sound like it. No. Wow. I mean, he recovers because all the albums we've done before this were better and they were all after. Mm-hmm. So, so I mean, it's not like a, a downward spiral kind of a thing. It's, it's a low point, but he, he recovers. But it is a low point. So these songs were recorded in these uh, July 1973 sessions. I've Got a Thing About Your Baby and Take Good Care of Her were also recorded in these sessions, but they held them back for... The other album, which we already talked about. Right. Which one was that? Good Times. One of those. Yeah, I think it was Good Times. Yeah, it had to be Good Times. And like I said, this probably rated one of the worst, I don't want to say worse, but you know, one of the worst albums by a lot of Elvis fans. And It is. It makes me wonder if I should be more critical of these tracks. But honestly, I don't think any of them are really bad. They're just not great. And as we continually say, Elvis can elevate even the most mediocre songs. Right. But you can tell just listening to this album he really doesn't want to be there and from i mean the stuff that i read about these sessions also probably put that in my head as well uh-huh. and made me hear it even more right but when i put myself in an early 70s headspace i rate most of these tracks as okay they're okay to good mm-hmm. nothing outstanding 
I can say that much, but there's nothing really I'd say is truly awful. Oh, I completely agree. Or may, maybe some people, maybe some people might disagree. I don't know. <laughs> um, this probably has one of my least favorite particular songs on it, but even it's not awful. And I'll wait till we get to it. But yeah, I, I agree with you. It's I think it was his worst selling album up to that point. And it was quickly I keep reading that it was deleted from the RCA catalog. I don't really know what that means. I, I guess it means they didn't press another copy and just keep it in rotation. Yeah, they would have just sold what they what was already okay. out there and not bothered to repress it, gotcha. I guess. Then that's what it means. This album and the album just before it, which we haven't done yet, are probably the two albums most people would point to as a low point for sure. Oh, okay. But again, we're talking about Elvis, so low is relative. You know, his low points are... Well, well if you look at it this way, mm -hmm. you know, after we're doing, you know, these 70s albums, it can really only get better from mm -hmm. here. Definitely. We're just going to get better and better, go on to better albums. So. Yeah, I mean, some of the... Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a good thing we started where we did. Some of the movie soundtracks might... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like them, but that's a real acquired taste. <laughs> maybe we should pick what you consider the worst movie albums, and we do those ones first. And again, then we can only get better from right. there. <laughs> Actually, when we, whenever we do get to the movie albums, I think we could probably do two at a time, because there's just not much to say about those songs. Oh, okay. Anyway. Yeah, good idea. But that's the 60s. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm going too easy on some of these tracks like do I need to be more critical no. but, I, but then I don't want to offend I don't want to offend all the Elvis lovers out there mm -hmm. and I'm, I just get on a podcast and slam all these songs <laughs> yeah I think we but like if I really wanted to be I could be super critical mm -hmm. but who wants to listen to that people already have their own opinions if they really don't like a song right. they don't need me to confirm that for them do they <laughs> no. well I mean, there's one way to look at this album as kind of a almost a concept album, or at least an album with a theme. Because most of this album are songs from the 50s and 60s that Elvis heard and liked and is just doing in the studio. And the title track and uh, For Old Time's Sake are both, you know, like nostalgic, looking back. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I kind of view this album almost as an album that pointed me in the direction of some great original songs. Uh, these are Elvis covers that I, I just don't think he spent a lot of time on as the issue. I yeah. really think that's the main issue. Every song on here, if a lot more time had been put into it, I, I think, I mean, this could be a great album. It's just a little bare as it is, I guess. Because this, the re-release of this by uh, FTD, mm -hmm. which had a bunch more outtakes and stuff, a lot of them I think are possibly better than the ones that were put on the album. Probably. Like the officially released album seems to be, you know, the safest possible versions they could release. And then you listen to some of the outtakes and it's like, wow, I like this one way better yeah. than that one. But that's why FTD exists. So we can listen to those and we can pick our own favorites. And, you right. know, the, the original album is what it is. There's nothing we can do right. about it. I, I have noticed that the outtakes on a lot of things have much better sound than the originals. And I don't know if it's because they're mm. just doing some quick remaster of the original and then the outtakes have never been mastered so they're being done from scratch and so they sound way better yeah, than the possibly. originals. Well, should we get into track one yet? Let's go. We babbled enough <laughs> now. Okay, we are side A, track one. It's raised on this. rock. Here we go. What Me? are you going to say? Uh, you can okay. go first. Well, so this was written by the same guy who wrote Suspicious Minds, Mark James. It was, yes. I think, written specifically for Elvis. It's not a bad album opener, honestly. It's another one that I feel like maybe if they'd spent more time producing it or something, it might have more bite. Yeah, I mean, it's good to start with a rock track, but when you've got a rock track, which is, like you said, that doesn't really have any teeth, yeah. uh, it's, then it sort of sounds a bit lackluster because it could be a lot harder and rockier. But again, you could tell he was just like going through the motions and yeah, I'll sing this yeah. take. Here we go. Um, <laughs> he mentions a couple of amazing songs during the song, including Hound Dog. Uh, and people yeah. have said that that was weird that he would name one of his own songs. But I assume he's probably thinking of the first version of Hound Dog he heard, which was Big Mama Thornton. Ah, good point. Yeah, because I did read those same mm -hmm. criticisms. They're like, well, he mentions when he was a kid and he listened to rock and he listened to Johnny Be Good. Right. And, but then he says Hound Dog. But he, yes. Hound Dog, his version of Hound Dog wasn't there when he was a kid. <laughs> right. But yeah, of course. It's not his original song. There's other versions before that. So that t makes yeah. total sense. Although everything else on the list came out in either 1956, 58 or 66. He mentions Hound Dog, Knock on Wood, Love is Strange, Honky Tonk and Johnny Be Good, uh, mm. which are all very cool songs, some of which I had never heard until I looked them up, especially the song called Honky Tonk. 
The first thing he mentions, Honky Tonk Hound Dog, Johnny Be Good. It's by a guy named Bill Doggett. And it's a really cool instrumental from the 50s. Anyway, Ooh. yeah, Raised on Rock. He did one live version of it, which is also about the same. Uh, Not much um, enthusiasm. No, I mean, he did it as a medley with a really cool song called Trouble. I probably prefer it maybe to the studio version. Oh, there is one thing in this song that really strangely reminded me of a Prince song. There's a part where he does that. My mama liked to listen to Beethoven's fifth Mozart sonatas. Oh, and the yeah, whole song yeah. kind of comes to a, a stop there and they have like this weird singing in the background. And on Welcome to America, that song Rin Tin Tin or Ten Ten, it has yeah. a moment very similar where it just stops and they mention uh, Mozart, Beethoven and Bach. And it just it's a weird little similarity. Well, that actually goes back further because Prince, I mean, even in Good Love, Prince mentions oh, um, Gustav Mahler right. or whatever. And but then I think that whole idea goes back to a Larry Graham. Graham Central ah. song, and I'm just trying to think which one it is. Is it Pow? Oh, you're on your own here. Nope. Do you know Pow? I'm pretty sure it's uh, Pow. I'll have to check it out. I could be wrong, but I think it's Pow, and that mentions a whole. It's sort of like um the jam where everyone mm-hmm. gets a solo, and he, they go through like different genres of music through each solo, oh, and it's really cool. cool. I'm gonna have to check it out. So look up Pow by Graham Central Station. Well, first of all, it's an unbelievable okay. bass. If you like bass, this is one of Larry Graham's most oh, amazing cool. songs. It's insane. Cool. If anyone doesn't know, Larry Graham basically invented like the slap bass style. And um, that song is insane. And yeah, check that out if you if you can be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back to, back to Race on Rock. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say about it. Uh, this is an album. I feel like I have more to say about the album than the individual tracks. But Race on Rock, okay. it is a good opener. <sighs> the idea of it is a good opener is a better I way I think to out of it. all the songs there, it's probably... Probably is the best choice. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there's no other song you could open with, I don't think. I mean, I, would, I, I don't mind Three Corn Patches, but I wouldn't open an album with it. That, <laughs> that is the one that is my least favorite. Oh, there we go. Yeah, I've spoiled it. But yeah, that's one of my least favorite Elvis songs of all time. But we'll get to that. <laughs> okay, so Raised on Rock, the, the song. Mm-hmm. This, this is another Elvis album which starts off with sort of the rock track, even though it's in no way representative of what's on the album. <laughs> right. Well, we have talked about in the past how he tr- sort of tries to do one style of every song on each album. Like there's a country song and there's a rock song. Right. And there's a, a real, ballads. A religious song usually. Yeah. When I hear an album start off with a rock song, I'm like, oh, it's going to be a rock album. That's just the way my brain works. Yeah. But that's not how it works with Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. Uh, but this song, it's okay. Like I do like that high voice singer who comes in about halfway through. Uh-huh. I'm not sure who it is. It's probably Millie Kirkham, who's been with him since the 60s, but I might be wrong. Okay. But that's who usually... Yeah, I don't mind voice. that voice. I think maybe some people find it annoying, but I just totally accept it as this is part of Elvis's thing. Mm-hmm. That's how it is. You're going to get this every now and then. And I'm just, I'm so used to it now. Yeah. Because I've heard so much of it. I think she fits. But I, I can hear how it could be grating to some people. Yeah, I think it fits in with the part where her voice comes in. I think it's perfect. So yeah, yeah. I didn't have a problem. That's good. <laughs> I love the drums during the chorus. It's like they're building up to something, but that something never comes. <laughs> so in a way, it's sort of unsatisfying. Right. It's still good. Like It's like they're building up to something big, and then but that big thing never comes, and then it just sort of goes back down again. And you're like, oh, okay. That's exactly, yeah, <laughs> exactly right. It's it's all foreplay. I'm not sure what that's about. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but yeah, you, sa- you said Raised on Rock, it was put out as a single with For All Time's Sake, and that was the only single released from this album, which is also not normal yeah there'd usually be a few singles at least yeah yeah usually um, at least two and yeah it, did, it didn't do too well so maybe that's why they just like now nah, forget it mm-hmm. move on mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, there's some good bass on this and some piano as well but yeah that's about it it's, like I said it's probably the best song on the album to, to start the album with there's, I can't see anything else which I think would be better. I agree. So Yeah, unless he started it with what he started side two with, which would actually be more, more oh, yeah. representative of what's what's coming, probably. True, but, true. But no, I'd have used Raised on Rock to open it as well. So. so then let's go. Track number two, Are You Lonesome Tonight? No, it's Are You Sincere. Yeah. As soon as I heard the start of this song, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know about you, but this sounds just like a total redo of Are You Lonesome Tonight? Yeah. Like from the first two words of the song to the style of singing, mm-hmm. the tempo, the spoken part halfway through, yep. it's just got all those parts 
And it's just like, what is this? Yes, you're exactly right. I have the same note. And this was written by Wayne Walker, mm-hmm. originally released 1957. Andy Williams. Andy Williams had the original version, I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sort of contradicting my previous thing I said, where that Raised on Rock was the only single. This was released as a single, but it was after Elvis's death. Right. And it got to number 10 on the US country chart. So I guess the previous thing I said meant released from the album at the time. Right. This was like a, what is it? Posthumous. Yes, a posthumous single. release. I think 1981. And it, and it did pretty well. Yeah. Amazing. It did better than the yeah. original or his original release. Yeah. But yeah, not much to say about it. It's okay. But it really is just a, a retread of Are You Lonesome Tonight for me. For me too. I mean, imagine imagine if there's people listening and they're like, what? I don't hear that at all. What are you talking about? Well, the, <laughs> one of the other things, I mean, the spoken part especially yeah he even i like the spoken part because he refers to whoever he's talking to as honey which he does also yep. in are you lonesome tonight during the spoken part and also on a song called i love you because from 1954 so if you want to listen to elvis say the word honey in the 50s 60s and 70s you can do that <laughs> i don't know why you'd want to yep. but you could <laughs> there's a version of this from 1963 by a guy named lenny welsh and that's a really good version. It's uh, really like lush string arrangement. I, I like Elvis's version, but I never seek it out. You know, when I put this album on, I don't skip it. I enjoy it. I liked, you know, Are You Lonesome Tonight? So I don't mind hearing uh, an updated kind of a take on it. But when you're driving home, you don't think, I cannot wait to get home and put on Are You Sincere? <laughs> no, <laughs> no. Like, everything about this album to me, uh, the songs just point you in the direction to go check out the originals. No mm. idea if that's what Elvis was thinking. He was definitely doing songs that he knew from when he was younger and enjoyed. But yeah, I kind of treated most of this album as, you know, Elvis is singing this, you should go f- find out why by checking out the original. Yeah. And I did that throughout this album. And if you look at it like that, it's a really fun album to listen to because it really gives you a broad spectrum of what Elvis's taste in music was. Um, but yeah, the songs themselves, I just have so little to say about them. Yeah. I have nothing negative. You've heard a lot of Elvis interviews, I'm guessing, way more than me. I hope so, maybe. Have you ever heard him talk about anything along those lines? Like, he seems to do a lot of re-recording of... Oh. Like, there are songs written specifically for right. him, but a lot of them are covers that have already been out before. Right. Did he ever say anything about the reasons he put that out? Was it just because he liked the song and he wanted to sing it? Or did he have some intention, like you said, of like, hey, I really like this song. Here's my version, but check out the original too. And like sort of bringing attention right. to these other people. He definitely, I mean, as far as I know, he never made a statement like that. And knowing mm. the circumstances of this album, that it was really kind of rushed, I think if he was sort of doing that, it was probably subliminal on his point part. I think he just, I'm going to do the songs I feel like doing, which means they're songs that I remember from growing up. Then it, then it should have been called like Memories or something. Yeah. Memories of Elvis. Well, honestly, Raised on Rock is not a, a bad title for a song that, for an album full yeah. of... Full of a lot of songs that are, um, what's the word I'm thinking of? Uh, yeah, well, I was going to say some songs that are like foundational to rock and roll, mm. but very little. I mean, most of these songs, I had never heard the originals until I sought, sought them out, but I'm glad I did. So that's Are You Sincere. Now we're going track number three, Find Out What's Happening. Now, I wasn't expecting this, and I've said this about a few songs on mm. a few albums. Like, I was secretly hoping this wasn't another album full of slow mm. country songs. So, you know, already we have two like up-tempo tracks, so it's off to a good start. I really like that organ that comes in in the second verse, and just about a minute in, we get a nice long guitar solo, and it lasts. It's a long guitar solo. It's not just a 10-second thing. It's like mm-hmm. the whole verse, which is great. But, yeah, I wasn't expecting two like sort of up-tempo tracks, like two out of three right. of the first tracks, and I'm like, wow, okay. <laughs> and that sort of made me think, wow, this is going to be like more of a rock album, but then it sort of changes mm-hmm. pretty quickly. But, yeah, I like this song. It's good. Again, it's not awful. It's not amazing. Yeah. And you can tell he's like, he's doing what he has to do. That's fine. Right. <laughs> um, he really changed this one from the original. I mean, he turned it into this sort of funky sort of a thing. The original is by a group called the Spidells, who were formed in ni- 1962 Ooh. at Tennessee State University. So local for Elvis. The original version is really good. There was a version by a guy named Bobby Bear that they used on Better Call Saul recently. Ah. Um, also very good. But yeah, I, I really like Elvis's version. I love the background vocals. They're not even background vocals. They're almost duetted in parts of it. 
I thought the guitar break reminded me of a Beatles song, but I could not figure out which one it was. It was either What Goes On, Act Naturally, or Run For Your Life. I, I narrowed it down to three. But the guitar <laughs> solo really, really reminds me of a Beatles track. Uh, uh, what else do I have to say about this? Uh, it might be my favorite. Yeah, this is probably my favorite up-tempo song on this album. Yeah, yeah I have a good. few you know, other ballads that I like, including the next one. But as the up-tempo ones go, I like this song probably better than Raised on Rock. And that's about all I got to say. It's this, uh, this has got a good version on the on the FTD release. It's uh, got a, a couple of our takes of it, and um, they're interesting to listen yeah, to. Yeah, I haven't listened <laughs> to them. You you had sent me a link to that, and I probably have it on CD around here. But I I, I just concentrated on the regular album this time. Not a lot to say no. about that one. That's fine. Now we go on track four. I miss you. Yep. Written by Don Sumner, who yep, we've JD's talked about nephew. before. I'll go first because I probably got the least oh, to say about this song than any <laughs> okay. on this album. It's an okay song. You get some nice low, you know, notes from JD. There's a key change at about 119, and that's about all I've got. This was just a totally <laughs> passable pass me by, and it's like it's over. It's like I didn't hear anything yeah. that sort of grabbed this me. This is one of those. Uh this is one of those songs that I love that it's almost a guilty pleasure. It's just, you know, when Elvis sings these regretful lost love songs, I'm just a sucker for it. So, yeah, this is one that I've played. This is a track that I will actually come back to when I'm not listening to this album just to hear that song. In fact, it might be the only there's only two songs on this entire album that I bother going back to. And this, I miss you as one of them. But yeah, how do you I don't know what to say about it. It's full of regret and sadness. Therefore, I love it. <laughs> that's that's all I got. It sort of reminds me a bit of uh, what's that song? What's that song that has that line regrets? I've had a few. Oh, is my, that way. my way. Yeah, my way. It's what it's so, it's something similar just in the way he sings. It sort of reminds me of my way. I don't know what it is, but yeah, I can hear it. But yeah, this is probably the, the least we've said about any song so far. <laughs> Well, this whole album may may fly by faster than the usual reviews, but that's okay. We we talk too much anyway. This is this will be a nice uh, succinct yeah. episode. I mean, it's a it's a short album. It should be a short review. True, true. It's only twenty eight minutes, so yeah, I'm sure the review will still be double that length. But okay. Right. <laughs> so should we? So girl let's of mine. Go track number five, girl of mine. What do you got about this one? Also very little. This one's catchy. It sneaks up on you. It's a song I don't really care for, but whenever it's on in the background and the chorus comes on, I find myself singing along with it. Engelbert Humperdinck did this song the year before, 1972. Elvis's uh. version is is much better. I thought it would be interesting if somebody remixed it with Sweet Child of Mine, but nobody has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, it's just, it's a catchy, it's a fun song. It's probably the most breezy, easy listening or easy to listen to track on this whole album. Yeah, it's pleasant and it passes by quickly. See, I, I've I got know. this song, That's I've got more it. to say about this than the last one. Oh, okay. So, Girl of Mine, we're back to country. There's that honky-tonk mm. piano right at the start there. And at the end of the track. And this is the longest song on the album right here. Oh, I didn't realize uh, that. I do like the sound of his voice on this song. I mean, I always like the sound of his voice, but we get a bit of that almost like yodeling style a few times in this song. Mm -hmm. You can hear it at, I think, 32 seconds. He's just doing some funny things with his voice. Uh, there's some nice bass in this throughout the track. There's some nice little rundowns here and there. Backing vocals sound great as usual. You got a key change at 149, and surprisingly, this is one of my favorite songs on this album, which I wasn't expecting. Mm -hmm. But first listen through, I'm like, oh yeah, country song. It starts and then it's over. But then, mm -hmm. yeah, I sort of play the album a few more times, and the more I heard it, I'm like, yeah, I, I actually like this song. Yeah, it has a real breezy quality about it that's just... Yeah, yeah I can listen to this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no problem. And you, then you got the strings come in after the key change. But yeah, I, I like this song. And that's this is the end of it's the end of side A. Yep, already. It's the last song. As much as we say the record companies made some strange choices, mm -hmm. um, this is actually a good song to end a side of an album with. Yeah, works. So it's it's works amazing that this is one of his least selling albums and not liked albums. But looking at it, you know, logically, it's actually pretty well done compared to some of the others, which did way better. Mm -hmm. It's strange. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's actually very strange to me that this album and the one before it are considered his low point because the one before that was Aloha from Hawaii, which was a massive success album and TV special. Yeah. And to just drop off after that so quickly with with these two albums. I keep referring to this other album. It's it's called Fool. And we it's, haven't yeah, covered it. Yeah, it is yet, strange so. because apart from, say, the 68 comeback special, 
Mm-hmm. Aloha from Hawaii is probably the, you know, it's up in the top three biggest things he ever did. It was like oh, a yeah. worldwide satellite thing. Mm-hmm. And then you would expect that to sell. And then you'd expect the next, whatever the next album was, to sell as well. For sure. And it seems like that just didn't happen for whatever reason. I guess, and I'm going to say some of that stuff I read about his personal life is maybe he just was not into, well, you can see from listening to it why this didn't sell. You know what I mean? It, it's good, but it needs work. It needed yeah. more time, I guess. But but people, uh, but people wouldn't have known that until they bought it. You know, if you... I, if you saw Hawaii and thought, oh, wow, this is great, and then the next album came out, and you're like, well, I'm going to buy this because Hawaii was great, you know, you've already bought it. Right. Unless you've got all your friends around you, like one person bought it and then told everyone, no, don't bother. Yeah, but see- It's not that great. See, here's, here's <laughs> the thing. This is the second album after Aloha. The one right before this- Okay. The one- Yeah. They put a picture of him on the cover from the Aloha special, so when people bought it- uh, maybe they were expecting something different because the album before this is also eh, not considered one of his best and it was also very low selling. So they may have bought that mm. one and felt like it was a bait and switch thing. And by the time they got to this one, they were just like, no, no, <laughs> not falling for that again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's just a guess. But and I, I do like the album before this better than this. Yeah. One, but we'll get to that. one. If any if any listeners out there have a theory why I mean, that that, that was ours. Yeah. If you've got some explanation why, you know, the two albums after Hawaii just did so badly when you'd expect them to do much better. Let us know. I want to know why. I want to know the reason. Yeah. It's it's bizarre to me. Anyway, so now we're going to side B. Yes. It's side B. It's the, the second album on this album. It's for all time's sake. And it opens, yeah, with a Tony Joe White Track song. Track number six, really. Yeah. The guy who wrote... That's right. Tony Oaks Joe Alan White. Andy. We keep hearing that name. He's back again. Yeah, but this song's a... A lot different than Poke Salad. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, (laughs) this is, it's sort of the semi-title track of this Mm -hmm. album, 50%. Mm -hmm. This is the second longest song on the album. I think this might be the only song that I had heard before. Like, this album was totally new Uh to me. I hadn't heard these songs. But you'd heard that one? I think I'd heard for all time's sake, just maybe once or twice. Maybe it was on one of those box sets, like the 70s Ah, box set or something. Because I had heard it somewhere, somehow. But I think this was might be the only one. And like one of those other songs, I Miss You. It's like, there's just not much happening here for me, really. It seems very just plodding along. It doesn't really go anywhere. And Elvis being bored really doesn't help the situation. We get two nice little acoustic guitar solos, which is nice. 205 and 257. But yeah, that's about all I've got. I mean, it's okay. It's a nice song just to listen to. But yeah, I'm not seeking this one out either. Right. What about um, you? Again, it's a sad ballad. So of course, I really like it. Uh, <laughs> it, it does remind me a lot of a Chris Christopherson song called uh, For the Good Times. It's, it's two songs that have the exact same plot. A couple is breaking up, it's all sweet and nice, and then you get toward the end and the guy's like, why don't we sleep together again? Because that, that's basically what this song boils down to, is I know we're breaking up, it's almost over, but maybe, come is on, this, one more time. Is this the, For the Good Times, is this the same song we've already talked about? Or is that just Good Times? I'm trying to remember. For the Good Times is uh, Don't Look So Sad, I Know It's Ending. No, I think that's something else. You know, That wasn't on an album we've already done? Because it sounds familiar. I'm going to have to look it up real quick. No. What album is that on? It's not on any album. See, I, this is what I thought. Uh, he did a record, he did a studio version that never came out during his lifetime, but he did it live a couple of times. And I thought it's crazy that the song For the Good Times doesn't appear on the album Good Times. But instead, you've got Good yeah. Time Charlie's Got the Blues and Talk About the Good Times, but no Good Times on the Good Times album. Mm. But anyway, it's it's a Chris Christopherson song. Elvis did do it live. Oh, we might have talked about it during Madison Square Garden or something. It could have maybe ah, it was in yeah. there. But it, I, again, I like these kind of songs because I'm depressed and <laughs> I can relate to, to <laughs> Elvis's frame of mind during this time, I think. And so, yeah, and he sounds sincere. You said he sounded bored. I think he sounds sincere. He could be both. Probably both. But no, I, I like it. I like it a lot. But I don't have much else to say about it, really. So it reminds me of the Chris Christopherson song quite a bit. Okay, that's that one. Gee, we're flying through this. Yeah. Okay, track number seven. If you don't come back mm-hmm. and... Holy moly, so something else I really wasn't expecting, which is great. I like to be surprised. This is good. You've got this wah-wah guitar, and this reminds me of another song, but I, I've been thinking for weeks mm-hmm. about it, and I just cannot think of what it is. It might still come to me, but yeah. There's a cool guitar solo. Starts at 155, 
and that just goes until the end of the song. Right. Uh, 206, I like he can hear Elvis. I think he says, play it, probably to whoever's playing the guitar. And the thing with this song is the band. It, they just sound great. The backing vocalists sound, sound fine. Elvis sounds half asleep. <laughs> If he gave everything to this, this could have been a great track. And live, this could have been great as well. It just seems a bit of a waste of a fairly good song, I think. Like you said, this album, a lot of the songs, they just needed a bit more work. They needed Elvis to just be a bit more into it. And it would have been elevated a fair bit, I think. But yeah, I like this song. I'll be listening to this one again, for sure. Okay, yeah, I love this song too. The original is by The Drifters. This is a Lieber Stoller written song. Oh, Drifters. What, what song did they do? Uh, there Goes My Baby is the first one that comes to mind. Drifters. Yeah, they did a. I think they have a bunch oh. of hits from the 50s and 60s. The Drifters. Yeah. Save the last dance for oh, me. There I, under is. the boardwalk. There you go. Stand by me. Up on the roof. Yeah. Come on. There you go. And wow, Lieber okay. and Stoller produced a lot of those hits, which they became producers in the 60s, which I didn't really know. But they wrote and produced this for the Drifters. Oh, they were the, the Jam and Lewis of their time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> well, Elvis really turned this into a funk song. It sounds drastically different from the original. I like it too. This is another really good track, I think, on this album. And I have the same notes about the guitar solo uh, at the end toward the fade out is a really cool guitar solo. Mm. The song that this one reminds me of, you said it reminded you of something. It reminds me of the song Just a Little Bit, which is the next track. Uh, I, I find them similar, but maybe because they're both kind of stripped down or something. No, nah, the song that this reminds me of is it's not even Elvis. It's just something else. And I for weeks, it's just <laughs> been annoying me and I still haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> One day. Yeah. About three reviews from now, I'll just be like, oh, it's this song. And you'll be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. Well, that is it, man. I, I don't have much to say about many That's of right. these. Then let's go. Track, Track eight. eight. Just a little bit. What do you got for this one? I think this is a great song. Again, I'm going to go back to the original. It was by a guy named Roscoe Gordon, and it's it was known as a Roscoe, a rumba. What a good, what a good name. Yeah, it was it was called a rumba blues. I don't know if it was the first time somebody combined blues with a rumba, but it's got a really cool sound. Mm. Etta James did it in 1968, and that's also really good. This is a song that inspired Paul McCartney on the to write the song Birthday from the Beatles' White ah, Album. It's, it's it's, ah, it does have a similar sound, yeah, yeah. that start and stop thing. Do, 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 do. Say it's your yeah. birthday. So yeah, a great guitar, some really good piano bits. It does get repetitious, because it's kind of like the same nine notes just over and yeah. over again. But other than other than it just it's repetition, uh, this is a great song and the original is even better. In fact, the Roscoe Gordon one is better and the Etta James one is probably better. Ah, oh, it's really good. Yeah, I, I would definitely recommend anybody who likes this song checking out those two earlier versions. But even Elvis's is good. It's just the repetition gets on my nerves. It, it's kind of like with Raised on Rock, you keep waiting for something else to happen. Oh, yeah. And it it kind of mm -hmm. doesn't. But still, I, I like it. It's not a it's not really a, a song I dislike. OK, then. That's yeah. it. Uh, let me just say, I'm happy that this turned out not turned out to be not just another country album. Oh, me too. Yeah. There's different things happening on here. And after this album, it seemed to go more down the country, the country lane. Mm -hmm. But there's some cool stuff on this album. But yeah, there's just there's that cool little riff going throughout this song. Some nice piano here and there. Uh, you've got that guitar solo. It's really up front at about 139. And again, it just goes the whole verse. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that normally happened. Like through the albums we've already talked about, a guitar solo is usually just pretty short. And then it's back to Elvis because Elvis is, that's what we're here for. Right. But I don't know if that's something to do with he just wasn't that into it or he wasn't interested, but the guitar solos seem to go a lot longer than on other things we've talked about. So I wonder if that's part of the reason why it's like, well, Elvis can't be bothered, so let's just do a really long guitar solo <laughs> and finish the whole song with it because he's not coming back. Yeah, that's kind of what <laughs> I was thinking as well. Because it's not normal. No, yeah. I mean, I was also thinking it's Elvis that didn't really want to be in the studio, but the musicians are still doing a great job. So yeah, you do get some nice guitar solos that are much longer than usual yeah, on this album. Interesting. But my guess is exactly the same. Yeah, same, same, same like I said before. If anyone has any clue why that's happening, let us know. Because it's 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 not the standard thing that normally happens. And I wonder if part of it is just Elvis just wasn't that into it. So they're like, hey, just do a guitar solo. And he's like, hey, the less singing I've got to do, the better. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Go for it. Go for it. it. Play for a minute and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the impression I got on this album as well. Okay, now, is track number nine. Okay. It's Sweet Angeline. 
Mm-hmm. Now, this song to me is probably the most standout song. Not my favorite, mm-hmm. not the best, but the most, the song that stood out the most to me, and I'll tell you why. As soon as I heard this song, there was something familiar about it. And again, I couldn't figure out what it was for weeks, mm-hmm. probably about two weeks. And then I finally nailed it down to it's it's from a musical. And I okay. got that far. And then it took me about another week. And I thought, you know, I only know a few musicals uh-huh. well. And I don't know if you know this musical or this song, mm-hmm. but Les Miserables, Les Miserables, as I love to call it, there is a song called Come to Me. And there are two parts in this song which are Note for note. Wow. And as soon as I figured that out, again, it just blew my mind. Yeah, I do not know that song. <laughs> when you get a chance, go on Spotify or YouTube and look up Come To Me from Less Miserable. I will. I've... There's just some very similar notes. And once you hear it, you, you cannot unhear uh... it. And then as soon as every time I hear this song, I just keep thinking of the other song now that I know what it is. Now I feel like maybe I, maybe and... I shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> it might ruin it for me. But you don't you don't know the other song though. Not at all. I know the other song really well. So it's hard for me not to think of it. But if you don't know it, you won't remember it probably. <laughs> and because you know this one first, you'll still think this right. is the original. But I'm the other way around. <laughs> right, right. But apart from that, there's really not a lot to say about it. There's some nice guitar, there's some strings in there, there's a key change at 140. But that's about it. There's not a lot to say about it. But I do like this song and it does seem very, because of that link, it seems very like theatrical Mm. to me, musical theater. And even some of the, like the chord progressions sort of lean, they're not a lot, but again, because of that link, it's already in my head now. I hear this as like something from a musical, even though I know it's not. Huh. But that's all I've got. It's um, yeah, that blew my mind when I figured that out. Um, this is the to- the track that I I always think of as a hidden gem. It's I mean it's pretty much buried on this album. Oh yeah, it does stand second out. last track on the second side. Yeah, uh, and so whenever I like, well now I'm used to it. But there were a few years where every once in a while I'd pull this album out and always forgot about this song. And it is as a ballad, I do like it better than any of the other ballads on here. Yeah, I do. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was this one that was also written by. Donnie Sumner or one of those guys? I don't have anything written it's for this It's probably not then. Like I said, I, I like this one a lot. It's funny, it reminds me a little bit of a song that Elvis did in the 60s called Angel, only because it has two similar, well, the Angeline and Angel are similar, but in this song, the chorus, he starts, uh, I'm only human and I realize... And in the song Angel, he mentions, I'm only human, but I'm willing to learn. They just both kind of remind me of each other because they start the same. But yeah, this is another one. You got your lost love. Although I don't know how long this the affair in this song lasted because he says, though, we have not seen the summer through. So this might have been like a couple of months or something Mm. of of lost love. But yeah, I, I think it's the best ballad on the album. I like it. It's simple. Elvis's voice is very clear and upfront. This was written by Chris Arnold, David Martin, and Jeff Morrow. Okay. Don't know any of those. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it might have been another one that the Stamps or Voice or one of those backup bands brought to the table. But yeah, yeah. I like it. Uh, just like all of these tracks, I just have very, very little to say, even on the ones I like, like this one. Yeah. If I were compiling like a best of of just this album, Sweet Angeline would, would be, be about three tracks. <laughs> Probably. But Sweet Angeline <laughs> would definitely be one of them. Yeah. Yeah. So then we're going to the last track on side B, the last track on this album. You've already said it's not your mm. favorite. <laughs> track number 10, it's Three Corn Patches. Yeah. Now, it, it's funny that the same people who wrote like Jailhouse Rock and a bunch <laughs> of other songs, which is probably up in many people's favorite songs, uh-huh. also did this, which is one of your least favorites. <laughs> yeah, I cannot stand this song. I don't know why. Oh, well. <laughs> it, you mentioned you didn't like this one, and I can say I don't love the way Elvis sings this song. His voice sounds a bit strange to me. Mm-hmm. And as we've already mentioned, he wasn't in the best state of mind during these recording sessions. I think one night was a lot better than the others, so maybe this is from the bad night. Apart from that, this is just a straight blues song. You know, there's nothing amazing. The lyrics are far from the best lyrics I've heard. Yeah. Uh, interesting choice to close an album with. I can see yeah. they tried to sort of finish it on a high like on an up-tempo track, but it's just not a great song. But yeah, for a, for a Liebestola song, you know, you'd sort of expect a bit more. But like we've already said, just imagine if Elvis had given this everything. I mean, the lyrics still wouldn't be great, right, but right. it'd be slightly better than it is, hopefully. Yeah. 
but that's that's about all I got for it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's an earlier version by T-Bone Walker that's a lot more fun than Elvis's version. But it's it's like some of the other songs on here. It's just repetitious. It's just over oh, and over yeah. again, the same three corn patches, not four, <laughs> Mountain Hills Away. Not only do I think it's a bad album closer, it's just a bad song. I just don't. Maybe the T-Bone Walker one is more fun. And it does have a couple of lines, I guess, that are funny about uh, she's got a dog that barks all day and all night. He barks and he growls, but he don't bite. Uh, it's got some fun stuff in the T-Bone Walker version. But Elvis Gee, is, yeah, he just. Uh, Libra and Stola loved writing about dogs, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. And I even get a shout out, a New Orleans shout out in the song. Been to Chicago, been to New Orleans. But it still doesn't it doesn't improve it for me. Not not amazing. Yeah, uh, there's some <laughs> nice, nice piano. It's not horrible, but dull is what I've got. It's not yeah, horrible. I, I think it's it's a, just a, dull. Yeah. <laughs> what a what a great review. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's just, it's a it's a pointless album closer. I mean, it has no. Ah, I don't even know what to say about it. And you, you you said it was a blues song. All the blues it is very is stripped bland, out of it, really, yeah. and it's just become this. And and yes, again, that's Elvis the word bland. Not being into it sort of adds to that because his voice, even on his worst day, it's pretty good. Mm -hmm. But you can tell that there's just no enthusiasm behind it. Yeah, I think. And that's there's right. not a lot of energy behind it, and that just sort of adds to the the, the dullness of it all. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe there's people out there who love this song. I wonder. Tell us we're wrong. Like I said, it, it really is one of my least favorite Elvis songs that I can think of. I mean, I'm sure that there's a couple of movie songs like he did Old MacDonald, and that's by far worse. Oh, than this. I would probably love that. I can't <laughs> right? wait till we get to that. Elvis's version of Old MacDonald. Oh yeah, why not? <laughs> I would not put this in his worst songs. Uh, there's many other songs which we've already talked about. I would put below this. Really? Oh no, this this is one of my absolute. I I mean, what? I would rather just listen to White Noise than Three <laughs> Patches. I think. <laughs> Like, it's just, there's nothing there for me. Well, yeah, there's not a lot there. But, uh, I mean, I prefer up-tempo songs to slower songs anyway. Right. Unless they're amazing. So, you know, I'd put this over a lot of ballads just because it's up-tempo. Even though the lyrics aren't great, Elvis yeah. isn't that into it. Yeah, and the, it's still not great. Yeah. <laughs> and the tempo never changes, does it? I mean, I don't recall a bridge or a chorus. No, or... it just goes straight through pretty much. Yeah. yeah. And If You Don't Come Back kind of did the same thing. Or wait, yeah. am I thinking of If You Don't Come Back or am I thinking of Just a Little Bit? No, I'm thinking of Just a Little Bit, which I like. But there's so many songs that feel like they just don't go anywhere on this album. And I guess maybe that's just due to lack of, of Elvis, you know, devoting much time and energy to it. That's track 10. Let's just talk about this album overall. Our summary, our outro, outroduction, is that a word? <laughs> yeah. um, the main thing I thought was um, as great as his band was, mm -hmm. this album just seems like such a I said I sort of said this about one of the songs as well it just seems like such a waste of such an amazing band yeah. to play such generally bland material because you know live yeah. they're amazing on a lot of other studio stuff they're amazing and on this I think Elvis's sort of general attitude during these sessions might have sort of bled out to everyone because even they don't sound that into it Mm -hmm. Even they sound like they're just going through the motions and doing what they've got to do. I, I, and we know that they're so much better than that. So it's just starting with not the best choices of songs for an album to start with. Mm -hmm. There's some there's some pretty average songs on here. I, I think he came up with them on the spot. I mean, I really think he was just in the studio and was just like, hey, you know that song from 1956? Let's do that. I wonder, if, that, I wonder if that's how it was. That is more than more than half the they album. They force him into the studio because they need some studio tracks and he's got no idea what he's going to do. So then, yeah, mm -hmm. he's in the car on the way to the studio and he's like, let's just do this one, this one, this one. I remember that when I was a kid. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah, I really do. I think he was... Taught it to the band in five minutes. <laughs> um, he was probably in the studio uh, rehearsing with the band or just kind of running through some stuff. And yeah, whatever songs from his youth popped into his head, I think he just said, let's do that uh, until until they had it's, a half an hour well, worth like of an I said, album. The, the good thing is it's, it's only pretty much up from here. It is. Generally. It is. The only album that might... No, even that album is better. I was going to say the album just before this one that we've alluded to a bunch. Okay. Um, I was going to say it's on the same level, but I it's better. It is a better album, I think. Because, yeah, this out of all the what we've done, maybe three or four studio albums so far. This ah, is yeah, yeah, this is probably albums, the yeah. least quality wise, I would say. 
So I, I like, and I, like I said, I haven't heard this before. Most of these songs I hadn't heard at all. But even just listening to them, yeah, if you want to try and look at it subjectively, objectively, uh-huh. um, comparing them just quality-wise, Elvis out of the equation, just the quality of the, the songs are just not that good. Right. So this, this album seems to have so many things that bring it down, like on every front. Yeah, it, it just was an album that I don't think Elvis cared about he was just more interested in the concerts at this point and he had a lot of as i mentioned some really bad stuff going on in his life at this point yeah, it's pretty pretty uh, bad yeah timing i just think he was force him into the studio and yeah he, especially when you if you knew what was going on and you knew what state of mind he was in do you think it would have been a better decision to force him into the studio and record knowing that it might not be great or maybe they thought maybe he's only going to get worse we might as well get this while we can well i don't know the exact details of his contract but he had to put this album out wait i'm going to read a letter that rca mailed to him just before this recording session Ooh, let's see okay. it says in order go. to have the merchandise available for our summer release we're planning a recording session in the middle of july we need the following products to enable our sales department to meet plan blah 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 one a new album of 10 tracks which is what this was two new singles with four new songs he didn't record that and a new religious album of 10 songs which he does get around to uh mm. important product comes first religious blah, blah blah in keeping with the new contract signed by you march 1st 1973 uh is important for you to record this be done blah 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 uh so yeah he's under a, a, a contract do you know to put out this album do you know what this is this is his um chaos and disorder <laughs> this is the vault old friends for sale this is his contractual obligation album no wonder he's so disinterested mm-hmm. he really didn't want to be no, doing not this. at all and again that just adds to what i said before there is nothing good like on mm-hmm. all fronts it's just bad you're right i mean yeah <laughs> wow yeah no you're absolutely right i mean there is no I, I mean the only thing that people were probably optimistic about was the fact that a new song by mark james who had written suspicious minds was the title track but which had already been again, out at this point right right and it had only made it to number 41 on the charts as a single uh but i, I was yeah. gonna say the only thing to be optimistic about going into this album could have been oh a new a new song by the guy who wrote Suspicious Minds. And they would have thought, oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be Suspicious Minds Part 2. Here yeah, we go. And, and it no, really wasn't. Well, that's, that's <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, this one's, it's hard to end this one on an up note, especially with Three Corn Patches as the last song. God. <laughs> but <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't know why, man. I don't like it at all. <laughs> but I do like, I, unlike you, I really like the ballads on this album. I love uh, I miss you, and I yeah. love Sweet Angelina. I mean, Angelina. I don't dislike them. I just I like prefer, Are You Sincere. Like, again, you're going to go for the, the, the sad and the right. slow and the depressing songs, and I, I prefer... See, it's funny. If you're depressed, mm-hmm. which I am occasionally, not like chronically, right. but when I just don't feel great, I want to listen Happy. to things to make <laughs> right. me feel better. But you seem to go the opposite way and probably get more depressed. Well, I, I used to. <laughs> I used to really wallow in it. And I would make, yeah. man, I have mixtapes from like the late 80s and 90s that are just, I mean, I have tapes that'll make you want to kill yourself. Just really, really, <laughs> really depressing stuff. I've kind of gotten oh. out of it now because, yeah, I don't really want to wallow in depression. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm more, it's not, it's no, not I'm helpful. more likely to put on, you know, play in the sunshine or something than that I miss you, there you go. to try to cheer up. But still, I mean, they're excellent expressions of that emotion. And Elvis, yeah. Elvis conveys it better than any singer I've ever heard. Interesting. So, yeah. and it's in- interesting. We like, you know, Elvis and Prince who both had very emotionally, mm. what, what, what am I trying to say? Could express emotion yeah. very well, well with Prince, their voice. Like better yeah. than most. Prince was, well, because of Prince being his own songwriter as well. There was even more. Yeah. There was even more to Well, like it, in yeah. songs like I Hate You, I can't even think of another song that expresses that particular emotion, the I love you so much, I hate you, which mm. is really fascinating. Uh, but yeah, both of them were very emotive. Interesting. Singers. So how do we? How, is there any way to end this on a high? Well, we could talk about. We could decide what the next one we're going to do is, and talk about that for a minute. <laughs> that, that's a plan. Let's have a look. Where's the list? Um, I think we should do Elvis Country. Is that the one it that is. guy recommended? And it's also, in my opinion, his best album of the seventies. His best studio album of the seventies. Okay then. By popular demand, <laughs> one person <laughs> asked. <laughs> 
that we do country Elvis. Country, yeah. Elvis country. That's a good one. So let's yeah. let's do that. At least I know what I mean for going into this. I know what it's going to be. So I won't be well, surprised. Well, you might think that because I don't particularly like country music. Oh. And I consider this album, Elvis Country, to be one of his... I guess there's a little bit of like bluegrass stuff on there. But for the most oh, part, that's it's that's just... Even, a, that's even better. Okay, well, it's just a great who, pop who, album. Who doesn't like bluegrass? Yeah. But yeah. Get the banjo out. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I think <laughs> you're going to like that album. It's a good album. So, so, but this is going back... 71, I yeah, think. Yeah, this is his 13th studio album. Mm-hmm. The one we just did was right. his 19th. Is that right? It sounds right. I don't have them like But listed. it was only two years apart. How did he put out six albums Because of the contracts that the colonel had him sign. He was putting out But were they all constantly. new albums or were they like compilations? He couldn't have put out six albums of new material in two years. No, right? they probably it probably wasn't new material. So Elvis Country just is the first one after That's the Way It Is. Okay, then we go You'll Never Walk Alone. That's a compilation. Yeah. Love Letters from Elvis. That's, a, that's the 14th right. studio album. Critically uh, panned. Then Come On Everybody. Compilation. Other Sides. Elvis Worldwide. Compilation. compilation. I Got Lucky. Compilation. Elvis Sings the Wonderful that's a World new one. of Christmas. 15th mm. studio album. Elvis Now. That's a new one. 16th studio. Okay. He Touched Me. That's a new one. 17th studio okay and then madison okay there we go but that's live okay then burning love hits from the movies volume two yeah what a ridiculous album that was it starts out with burning (laughs) love and then it goes into movie songs from the 60s (laughs) and burning love subsequently never appears on any elvis album during his lifetime except for the live except for a live version on aloha from hawaii one of his biggest hits of the 70s, no album to accompany it. Ridiculous. That was a big song. Yeah, it was a num- wow. number two hit. It, it got as high as Suspicious Mind. It's confirmed. We will do Elvis Country. I'm 10,000 years yep. old as the next studio cool. album. That's something to look forward to. That's that's the yeah. high we can end on then. There's, we're, we're, we're yeah, going we up from here. Are. And objectively, this is still not a bad album. Next to the other Elvis albums and stuff. Oh, yeah. Sure, it's lower. But yeah, just objectively as an album on its own, if Elvis had never existed and this is just this one album that showed up one day, it's a good album, I would say, for me. Well, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm stretching it. But anyway. Okay, that's all we got. The music's Excellent. coming. Excellent. Goodbye until next time.